Volume Two, Chapter Thirteen of Mrs. Armitage or Female Domination by Mrs. Gore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter Thirteen. Every company is differently circumstanced and has its peculiar cant and jargon which may give occasion to wit and mirth within that circle but would seem flat and insipid in any other chesterfield marian's coincidence was very easily confirmed when she was informed by her husband that lord greta and his friends having decided to set off from greta castle the following night he had agreed to follow with lord wyndham the morning ensuing you dearest and the child will remain here he added during the fortnight of my absence i shall not write to holywell my mother would only raise some absurd objection but on the day previous to that at present fixed for your return send a little note to sophia explaining the affair you will be happier with the spaldings than at home they are very fond of you marian they do you justice i shall be quite satisfied to know that you are passing your time agreeably and among such kind friends i really begin to like the family better than i used i fancy my mother prejudiced me unnecessarily against them and the next day in pursuance of their plan of campaign the greta party took an early departure from spalding court and soon afterwards at least three hours earlier than he was expected and early enough to discompose every conventional form of comings and goings established by the duchess in her little dominions mr leonidas lomax made his appearance he could not bear to lose an hour of the day fixed for his debut on the scene of aristocratic life who on earth is the strange man i found just now in the library cried lady emily maclaren throwing herself out of breath on a chair in the duchess's morning-room a creature with long flat feet and long straight arms that holds its hat by its side like a footman waiting for an answer to a message and dressed in all the exaggerated finery of the journal du mode it must be some monster that lord downham has picked up at harrogate and sent here to amuse us who can it be cried lady amabel aunt marscourt rely upon it it is the editor of a fashionable annual come to beg for mr cronos's stanzas upon poor penelope did he make any inquiry of you lady emily gravely demanded lady marscourt no he only stared me out of countenance and bowed me out of the room it can be nobody but that yankee uncle of mr wemmersley's cried lady honoria that dear amusing out-of-the-way creature with the dyed eyebrows and rose-coloured waistcoat what an hour for a man to arrive he must find his own amusements till dinner said the duchess haughtily my sons undertake the men staying in the house during the morning and i fancy they are all dispersed for the day and thus poor lomax who had calculated on passing a happy morning corridonising among the ladies ladies who were not only ladies but lady ships found himself consigned to no livelier society than the marble busts of demosthenes and cicero plato and seneca and not only the duchess but the fates seemed to be against him 
after he had passed an uneasy hour in an easy chair bolt upright lest he should derange the set of his cravat or the curve of his guard chain chronos manuscript in hand entered the room to look in the dictionary for a rhyme to furs when leonidas seeing something ducal in everything at spalding court addressed him much as a farmer would a lord your grace and inquired with assiduous politeness after the duchess and the young ladyships now although lomax would have found himself in the seventh heaven to be mistaken for so illustrious a personage as the duke of spalding it was not so with chronos chronos looked upon chronos as more distinguished in his nature than a prince of the blood and deciding that the dunce who knew him not must be himself unknown deigned no explanation but hastily withdrew leaving the newcomer to note within his notebook that dukes in england are unsightly to the eye and ungracious to the ear nor could leonidas have figured to himself that beneath a roof so aristocratic in a chamber whose groined ceiling was emblazoned with lordly escutcheons the time could pass so heavily as the solitary hour that ensued and it was even some relief to him when a plain and somewhat meanly attired middle-aged domestic entered the room and began to arrange a file of county newspapers on the reading-table ah say mister said leonidas finding that his audible yawn attracted no notice from the under-butler for the man was too inferior in costume to the spruce monsieur lamar who had ushered him in to be anything but a subordinate i say mister do you think the duchess knows i am here i conclude sir you have been announced said the butler eyeing the stranger guest with a look of suspicion i guess so but i have been cogitating here these two hours and not a soul coming within hail but the duke your master who took me up so short that i scarce calculate his grace understood me to be one of the duchess's friends and guests nor i neither replied the butler encouraged by the familiarity of lomax to indulge in a laugh short reckonings make long friendships returned the neglected visitor producing a sovereign out of a very long purse and a very short pocket and tossing it to his companion let us understand each other friend and now be so good as to go and announce me again to the ladies but neither bribe nor announcement served his cause the duchess was inexorable lomax had the mortification of seeing a barouche full of waving feathers and gay pelisses drive from the door for a morning airing and a riding party consisting of arthur and his wife lord wyndham lady honoria and the duke of wetherby passed the windows of the library but no one came near him he was deserted even by his friend the butler at length finding himself indisputable monarch of all he surveyed and tired of the solitude of his sovereignty off he set in defiance of his tight boots to take a walk in the park and although the somewhat savage character of its scenery suited his transatlantic fancy less in a pleasure-ground than the gracious and ornate cultivation of holywell 
yet comparing it with his recent experience of his kinsman's contracted lawn at mill hill he was forced to admit that it wanted only a little clearing to be mighty grand on his limping back to the house monsieur lamar deigned to acquaint him that as it was one of the public days at spalding court he would find her grace before dinner in the long gallery but not till then and when after an elaborate toilet he quitted the dressing-room appropriated to his use and traversed the corridors towards the place pointed out it was some consolation to his wounded feelings to encounter his friend the neglectful butler by the way about to address him in no gentle terms of remonstrance for his protege laughed heartily on perceiving him the attention of leonidas was attracted by something which he guessed must bespeak a peculiar privilege of ducal dignity he had not known before that the domestic servants of knights of the garter were permitted to assume that badge of chivalry but they were already at the doors of the gallery which being pompously thrown back by the footmen in their state liveries the butler stood respectfully aside while the name of mr leonidas lomax was audibly announced no one of the gay throng within came forward to receive him for the duchess and her daughter kept their state at the upper end of the gallery but to his great amazement every one came forward to greet his companion the butler who followed him into the room some bowing deferentially some cordially shaking hands but one and all saluting him by the title of duke of spalding if anything could have increased the mortification of the newly torrified citizen on discovering his unaccountable error it would have been the fact that he had previously tendered his homage to so insignificant a thing as a mere writer of verses a mere manufacturer of books the spectacle before him too was eminently calculated to enhance the dignity of a duke of spalding in his eyes hitherto holywell park had afforded the highest model to his notions of domestic state he had never guessed that anything so nearly approaching to feudal or royal magnificence existed in commercial england as the public day of a lord lieutenant his feelings were excited by the gaudy liveries the gay dresses the splendid furniture he bowed lower and lower to every one who caught his eye and would have been quite ready to milady even the duchess's waiting-woman in the course of the gay banquets that succeeded arthur armitage was destined to a surprise almost as disagreeable as that experienced by lomax the arrival of the marquis of downham had operated a change in the family arrangements of the spaldings it appeared that there were papers to be signed requiring the aid of lord wyndham as heir presumptive and it was settled among them with as much ease as if the change of persons could make no difference to arthur that the apathetic lord leicester should replace his lively brother in their tour to the highlands i have no particular objection to the scheme said he when the project was proposed to him i like travelling one never sleeps so well as in an easy carriage and as to the moors although i do not shoot i shall get my ecarte with dumbarton and brereton of an evening 
and escape the corvee of making up the duke of spalding's nightly rubber tell armytage i will certainly go an objection on arthur's part seemed out of the question and the following morning at daybreak a piece of furniture very little more animated than the chaise seat was placed in his caleche and away they bowled over the north road leaving marian half terrified at the idea of being left to her own discretion in a house full of strangers and leonidas lomax dreaming of stars and garters as much bemused by the pleasures of lordly life as christopher sly the tapster End of volume 2, chapter 13